This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Go ahead and have a seat if you would. You know, Kevin's already talked to you about connecting with God while you're here. And that uh, church isn't just a religious exercise that we go through. That uh, there's uh, indeed a great purpose in being here and One of the things um, that happens when we get connected with God is He moves in our hearts and lives and does things that we might not expect Him to do. And every once in a while, He moves us, let's say, to to, uh, write something in our journal that's about spiritual growth and development. And every once in a while, I know Kevin, uh, the last time he spoke, the song that we sang earlier this morning, How Can I Keep From Singing?, Uh, just got to him as he was listening to it before he came on stage and moved him to a point of tears. And uh, well, let me tell you a little bit about the song that we just sang. I haven't been given this gift, but every once in a while, God lays it on the heart of someone who's a very talented musician to sit down and write a song that moves people. And the song that we just sang is evidence of God working right here in this church, in our congregation, because that song was written by somebody right here. Um, And it happens to be Justin who was leading us in that song. And he would never tell you that, but I will. Um, Because, uh, and in fact, several of the songs that we sing have come either from him or other people in the church, and we are very, very blessed by that. And you never know. It might be today that God would do something in your life that would be out of the ordinary. This could be a life-changing morning for you. I pray that it's a life-changing morning for many of us. So I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Ron, and I'm going to be delivering our Bible teaching this morning. Uh, and And I want to begin with a statement that says, Jesus is for everybody. Do you believe that? Yeah. Let's say that together. Ready? Jesus is for everybody. That's why everyone belongs at church. And I know that oftentimes if we haven't been to church for a while or maybe we've never been to church uh, in our lives or we think, oh my goodness, um, if I go to church, the roof will cave in. I was greeting someone just a couple of weeks ago on the way out the door and they laughed at me as I gave them a hug because it was their first time at church and they said, well, the roof didn't cave in today. That's good. (laughs) But you know, the message is the same. And the message is Jesus is for everyone. So no matter what your background, what you've done, who you are, where you come from, really doesn't make any difference. Jesus is for you. We're going to talk a lot about that this morning. So I want to welcome you on that journey I want to encourage you to connect with God. I want to encourage you to open your heart and listen and learn. And so we have a learning tool that we supply every single Sunday. So if you'll open up your programs and out of your programs, if you'll take the teaching notes and get ready to learn, um, then there are some fill-in-the-blank things that you can fill in as we go along. I do want to encourage you, as I do most Sundays, to save that piece of paper once you have filled in the blanks and read through it at least once during the coming week because it will resurface in your heart and your mind principles that you learned this morning that have the power to change your life. Not because I say them, but because they come from the Bible. 
this particular sermon series and teaching series is about spiritual growth and development. It's about maximum living. It's about how to live and get what we often call fullness of life. If you've ever been on a diet, you know the opposite of that. Okay? Because when you're done and you get up from the table, you're not what? You're not full. Right. Well, it's not good to be on a diet when it comes to just life. No one wants to go through life and say, I could have more life, but you know, I'm trying to learn how to live on way less life. No, we, we want fullness of life, maximum life, because we were created for that. And the one thing that we've noticed in this particular sermon series is that fullness of life has to do with our proximity to and connection with Jesus. And I'd like to uh, point your attention up here to this continuum. And we're going to leave the indicator over here on level four. But starting back here at level one, what we've noticed is level one is you're exploring Christ. You're not connected to him yet, but you're exploring him. At least you're moving in the right direction. You remember, you remember playing as a kid the game Hot and Cold? Where, where you're locating an object and people would move. Am I getting warmer or colder? Oh, no, you're cold, cold, cold. Okay, well, then you know, i got to go in a different direction. Well, I want you to understand that this is moving from cold to moving to hot. This is, this is moving where you don't, you're not really sure what life is, and so you're just out here taking your best shot at life, and you're thinking, maybe Jesus is my shot at life. It, but as you move further and further this direction then what happens is you get more and more life. But there's an interesting thing that happens. Over here, you have greater control of your life. Over here, Christ has more control of your life. Sometimes it's a scary thing to give away control, isn't that? Shake your head like this. Yes. Most of us are not really willing or find it easy. I also want you to notice that this particular chart was not made sort of cockeyed without purpose. Did you notice it's uphill? Yeah. Because when you decide to take a break, what direction do you go? Yeah, downhill. Right. And so when you invest in your spiritual development, then you can, you can continue to make progress. And this particular teaching series is all about learning how to make that progress in spiritual development. Now, there are three different aspects or components to spiritual growth and development and therefore fullness of life. And the first is God's design. The second is our responsibility. And the third is the church's role. And that's what we're exploring over the first dozen weeks or so of this particular year. So that this becomes a wonderful year of spiritual growth and development in our lives. And we could accept our responsibility and the church could fulfill its role. But if we don't understand God's design for our lives, we'll never get them pointed or aimed in the right direction. And there are four overall, uh, I would say, cultures or dominant characteristics that God has designed for us to walk in in order to achieve and experience fullness of life. If we don't embrace all four of them, then no matter what we come to do or believe or practice in life, we'll never get fullness of life. And 
following Christ will never be the blessing to us and the blessing to those around us that it could be. And the first culture was the culture of freedom. Let me say it like this. For those who are bound by fear or anger or jealousy or hatred or bigotry or drugs or alcohol or pornography or greed. By the way, that's a lo- it could just keep going, correct? When we walk in that stuff, they actually hinder our freedom and they begin to take over our lives. And if you've ever lived around someone who was dominated by anger, do they live in freedom or bondage? What do you think? Bondage. It's true of every single one of the things I just named. And God wants to create in us this wonderful culture of freedom that nothing binds us. Nothing takes dominion of our life except for Jesus who brings this wonderful freedom. And so here's how Jesus said it. If the Son, speaking of Himself, if the Son makes you free, you will be what? Truly free. That's the culture of freedom. Now, last week we talked about the culture of having a generosity of spirit. And you remember the illustration of the open hand and the closed hand? Yeah, and many of you said, I'm going to reflect on that three times this week. I pray that you did. And I pray that you chose to live with generosity of spirit because Christ wants to create in us, if we're ever going to have fullness of life, we have to have this spirit that is generous and outgoing and and, and willing to flow out, giving more love than is deserved or expected, giving more grace and forgiveness than is deserved or expected, more service than is deserved or expected, giving more time and attention than other people might expect or deserve, and giving greater gifts. We talked about the fact that it adds the wow factor in life when we're able to do that. We had fun doing that with a bunch of people the other night because one of the ladies in the church, who will remain nameless, turned 30. Okay, And I don't know, there must have been 60 of us that gathered at a house, and we had so much fun because she didn't know we were going to be there. And way more people turned up for her birthday than she ever anticipated. And, and we all went together and we gave her a cruise. I'm quite sure when she came to the house that night, she wasn't expecting a cruise. But we decided to do something that was above and beyond what would be expected. And you could argue with her later whether she deserved it or not. She did, really. Okay. So now this morning, we're going to talk about an additional characteristic or dominant characteristic or culture, and that's the culture of outreach. I want to read a verse to you. I want you to take a look up on the video screens at this verse. It's found in 2 Corinthians. God is in Christ or through Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is God's mission on this earth. This is what he created the earth for. It is the central purpose of God in this world, that he is reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. By the way, that's why Jesus is for everybody, because no matter what you've done or how guilty you feel about it, Christ has a solution for it, and you can be forgiven. Because through Christ, God is no longer counting people's sins against them as they come into Christ. He goes on to say, and he gave us this wonderful message. I want you to circle, underline the two words, wonderful message. 
Because if you came to church this morning expecting bad news and guilt and shame and condemnation, then you're not going to get that because the message of Christ is, is a wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ, what's the next word? Ambassadors. That I want you to circle and underline that. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. Now that's, that's a very interesting concept that we are Christ's ambassadors. We carry Christ with us. I put in your notes a place to write two words. I want you to write them now. And the words are greater purpose. The truth is, there's a, there's a direct connection between a sense of greater purpose and a sense of happiness, fulfillment, and significance in life. And if you don't make that direct connection, you will go through life searching for happiness, searching for significance, searching for fullness of life, and you'll be looking in all the wrong places doing all the wrong things. Because in our world, we are taught to believe that fullness of life is found in self-indulgence. Okay? If I could just spoil myself, buy whatever I wanted, go wherever I wanted, do whatever I wanted to do, if I could sort of live life without limits, I would be a happy camper. Okay? Now, I know that to all of us, at some measure, that sounds good. But the truth is, there's a great deal of deception in that concept. Because if we think in our heart of hearts, the people that we know of or have heard of who actually have enough money to live life without limits, has it been that good for them? In fact, for many of them, where do they end up? Tough place, right? So, you know what? Most of us, money is dangerous, but I'd love for God to give me a shot at it. We have both of those, don't we? Sure we do. Sure we do. Now here's the truth. You show me somebody who's experiencing fullness of life, and I will show you someone who's living for a purpose or a cause outside of themselves that's greater than they are. And by the way, that's true of people who are saving trees. It's true of people, we have some right here in the church, who are raising canine companions for those who are either blind or, or disabled. I don't care what you're doing. It's true for those who are feeding the homeless and the hungry. It's true of those who travel to Africa to work in orphanages for those children who have been orphaned through AIDS. You show me somebody who's experiencing fullness of life and is happy to get up in the morning and who has a reason to live and who feels significant in this world, and I will show you someone who, is, who has invested their life in a cause greater than they are, and they are not living for self-indulgence. Now, they're reaching out. Now imagine what happens. Saving trees is great, okay? But no matter how many trees you save, will it change your life or give you eternal life? What do you think? No. No matter how many canine companions you raise, 
Will it give you eternal life? No. Will it change, significantly change, your character? Maybe. But probably not like Jesus can, for sure. If you feed the, the homeless and the hungry, great thing. But will it give you eternal life? No. You see, the greatest cause on the face of the earth, the greatest purpose on the face of the earth, the thing that brings out the very best in you and the very best in me and the very best in those around us is when we begin to invest our lives in the single greatest cause on earth, and that is the cause of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to you? Because in that, our lives are changed. In that, we learn to feed the homeless. In that, we learned we learn to be good stewards. In fact, we're going to talk about that next week, of our environment. In that, we learn to, to reach out and help those around us. We become great stewards of what God has given, but not just so we can save trees in the greater context of helping people draw near to God and to have their sins forgiven and to be given eternal life so they can be reconciled to God because the human heart is never truly at peace until it is fully reconciled to the God who made it. That's how life works. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about outreach this morning. Now that leads me to an interesting thing, and that is there are four different kinds of churches. I put this in your notes because I want you to know what they are. And the first is what I call isolationist churches. Okay? And the basic thing that drives an isolation an isolationist church is the fact that the world is corrupt and 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 terrible and and if we're going to be followers of Christ we can't be corrupted by all those heathen out there. And so the idea of an isolationist church is you gather inside the church and you sing your own special songs and you talk about how terrible it is out there in the real world. And you only venture out there when you absolutely have to and, and it's sort of like you come in here and, 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 and you get rubbed down with um, some sort of, a, of, of sin repellent while you're here so that when you have to venture out into the world, that sin doesn't stick to you. Yeah. There's another kind of church. I call it the imperialistic church. You know, the goal of an imperialistic church is it's our job to force the will of Christ on everyone in the world. And we're going to beat them over the head with it till they surrender. And so, yes, we are definitely here. We are sort of taking over for Jesus. And these are the people that have the big Bibles, right? Because if you're going to have a weapon, you want a big one. Yeah? And it's all about guilt, and it's all about forcing Christ on other people. And there's a, there's a third kind of church, or, indi- or Christian, and that is the individualistic one. And that is, my faith is a personal and private thing I keep to myself. I don't talk to other people about my faith, and I would appreciate it if they didn't talk to me about theirs. By the way... This is very politically correct in our world today, but it's not healthy. No, there's something that lies outside of all three of those. Because if you know Jesus, and if you've read the story of Jesus' life, he doesn't fit any of those three. He was none of the above. 
And the fourth kind of church or Christian is an influential one, which is what we have been called to be. For instance, let's take the first one. The idea is to remain uncorrupted from the world. What did Jesus do with the worst of sinners? He ate with them. Doesn't sound to me like he was too afraid to be corrupted by them. He was actually out there with them. What about the imperialistic kind of... uh, Was Jesus imperialistic? No, Jesus never chased anybody down. Jesus never intimidated anybody. Jesus never took the truth and just beat people over the head with it and threatened them until they finally succumbed. That, that, wasn't how he, that's, that wasn't how he did life. And, and he wasn't individualistic. When people came to Jesus, he didn't say, you know, my faith is a personal matter. I'd rather keep it to myself, if you don't mind. No. He spoke openly, always openly, always in the context of love, because Jesus knew that he had come to influence people. That was his purpose. And we have been called to have this wonderful culture of outreach, not where we're beating people over the head, but where we have this wonderful influence that wherever we go, we are ambassadors of Jesus. And by the way, if you're an ambassador and you show up in a foreign country, are you there to take over? That's not what ambassadors do. You're not a military general. You're an ambassador. So how can we do that? How can we have this wonderful influence and do it in the context of genuine love? Well, the Bible gives us three wonderful pictures, and I'm going to cover them relatively quickly. Uh, But they are very interesting because as we look at word pictures, they help us understand and know the truth. And so the first picture that the Bible gives us of how Christians or to be ambassadors for Christ, is the Bible says we are to be the salt of the earth. Take a look at the video screen, and you'll see Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? In other words, if it has no influence, what good is it? Why, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Now, I want to give you... um, contrasting thing because I want you to know that Jesus did not say you are the garlic of the earth. (laughs) What did he say? He said you are the salt of the earth. You know one of the fundamental differences between salt and garlic? Now listen, they both influence whatever they touch, correct? Yes. But the difference is garlic imparts and oftentimes overwhelms with its own flavor. Salt merely brings out the flavor that's already there. Hmm. There's a great lesson in that. When I become an ambassador of Jesus, and I carry Jesus into people's lives, He doesn't take a shy person and make them a public speaker. He doesn't take um, a Gentile and try to make them act like a Jew. No. Because all people have been created with a great natural flavor that is the image of God in them. And when we bring Christ as we should, 
the beauty and the wonder of God's image in them is brought to the surface and enhanced because we have been the salt of the earth, not the garlic of the earth. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I want us to pray this week that we would be Christian salt, not Christian garlic. Okay? Now there's a a second word picture that Jesus gives us. And it is that we are the light of the earth. If you look at the video screen, you can see Matthew chapter 5, the very next two verses. You are the light of the world. Now, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Now, we put them under shades for a reason. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So right away, you know something about a a lamp, and that is a lamp does not believe in individualistic light, does it? You put it on a stand so it gives light to whom? Everyone. But I also want you to know that Jesus said we are lamps, not torches. Okay? Now, I know that there weren't searchlights in Jesus' day, but I believe if Jesus were living today, he would say, you are the lamp or the light of the earth, not the searchlight. Because a lamp, the light from it is localized and it's gentle, which is why we put a filter over it. Not a basket that blocks out the light, but a filter. Do you know any Christians who are more like searchlights than lamps? And they go out and hunt things that they can capture or destroy? Yeah, I know Christians like that. I know other Christians that are so bright, you can't even stand to look at them. No one wants to be around them because they haven't understood that Jesus said, we're lamps. Now, I also want you to know this, that a lamp is a very unselfish thing. Have you ever noticed that usually when you turn on a lamp, you do not turn on the lamp just to look at the lamp? No, you might do that for a few seconds. But lamps have a purpose outside of themselves. You turn on a lamp because you want to read a book. You turn on a lamp because you don't want to trip over the furniture in the middle of the night. When you're walking across, you know, you don't want to use your toes as furniture finders. Ever done that? Yeah. So you turn on a lamp. You turn on a lamp because you're looking for something that you've lost. But you very rarely turn on a lamp and go, I just want to look at the light for a while. No. There's an unselfish purpose there. Now here's what I want you to see. When we become lights for Jesus, then what we do is we provide a gentle, consistent, localized light that merely lights the path for people to find Jesus. We are the light of the world. The lamp, not the searchlight. There's a third word picture that Jesus gives to us, and that is this. We are fragrance. Take a look at the video screen. Now He, God, uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere 
like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. You know the interesting thing about fragrance? Now, this is not cologne, right? No, nobody probably wants to smell like an orange. Well, that would beat some. Okay? But our lives are to be a fragrance. In a very short while, most of the people sitting in this room will be able to smell the fragrance I just sprayed. Is there more air in this room or more fragrance? What do you think? Way more air. It doesn't take very much fragrance to do something. And here's what I want you to see. Fragrance has a way of, of, of showing us the difference between the desirable and the less desirable. You walk into a room that's musty and, and it's stale and, and it's just not very inviting and it just takes a, just a short squirt of fragrance, a little bit of fragrance, and all of a sudden the room is inviting. It doesn't smell musty or moldy or stale anymore. You take a person, hey, got a shower? We're, what shall we say, fragrance neutral at that point? And then you put on some cologne or you put on some perfume and all of a sudden you have raised the desirability You and I, as ambassadors of Christ, have the wonderful privilege of living in such a way that we carry the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. Now, all three of these have something in common. And here's what it is, and it's our closing thought. None of them have any influence until they are released from their container. This salt is not going to do anybody good because I bought it new yesterday and it hasn't been opened. Okay? So it's not influencing anyone. Okay? But if I take it out of the container and put it judiciously on food, it will change it. This lamp is not blessing anyone because it's not plugged in. Okay? Somewhat like a lot of Christians who aren't plugged into Christ. Okay? They can't, they can't put it out any light. Okay? This is only doing good because I released it from its container. Can I tell you that until we decide that I will be an ambassador for Christ and wherever I go, I will carry the sweet fragrance of Jesus, not as an imperialist trying to force people to accept Jesus, but in a way that draws them to Christ. Now, we can have this wonderful culture of outreach. I want to give us a couple of ways to respond this morning. Take a look at our next steps. I will invite one person or family to come to church with me next week. That's a wonderful way just to be an influence. And I would want you to go home and pray about it. Say, who in my world doesn't know Christ? But boy, they would just, I can't imagine how Christ would change their life. Then begin to pray, God, give me the opportunity. Number two, I will invite one person or family to join my life group this week. This is our last week to sign up for life groups. So if you know someone who's going to church and they, and they don't have a life group, invite them to come and join your life group. That would presume that you've already what? Signed up for Yes, okay? And number three, I will pray this week that God will increase 
my influence for Jesus. Make me saltier, better light, sweeter fragrance. Let's pray. Lord, it's our prayer that we would be wonderful ambassadors of Jesus. Take us to people this week, Lord, who don't know you. And would you give us the opportunity and the grace to speak in love, to speak in kindness, to speak with authenticity, to give a simple message, come and experience what I'm experiencing. Lord, for those of us who are not yet connected to you, would you give us grace this morning to say, understand now that fullness of life is found in Christ. I choose to become a follower of him this week. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.